This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Pre-intubation checklist by Dr. Tracy Woolbrink. Hi, my name is Tracy Walbrink, and I'm one of the pediatric intensivists at Children's Hospital Boston. In this video, I'm going to be talking to you about the pre-intubation checklist that we use here at Children's Hospital Boston. In this video, I'm just going to be animating the pre-intubation checklist and going through with you how we proceed with going through this before every patient that we intubate here in our intensive care unit. We often have the pre-intubation checklist with us at the bedside as we go through it to make sure that all of our care providers from physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, and clinical assistants so that everybody's on page with what we're doing in terms of the intubation and what resources we might need available during the procedure. Role assignment. To begin with, once we've decided that we want to intubate a patient, we want to make sure that we have all of the available equipment, resources, and personnel that we need to safely intubate a patient. So we begin by going through our, our checklist. And as I look at the checklist, the first thing that we look at is we assign roles, different people to perform different tasks during the intubation. So first of all, someone identifies themselves as the physician leader. Typically, this is an attending physician or a senior fellow or one of the senior doctors. This person should also delegate a different doctor, preferably to be a laryngoscopist, and there should also be a backup laryngoscopist. There should also be someone that can prepare the medications. There should be someone that's going to administer the medications. There should be someone that can provide cricoid pressure if necessary, someone that will play the role of the respiratory therapist, including main, making sure that we have a ventilator available and set up, and that we have a end-tidal CO2 detection machine or device available, and that we have one patient, person who's going to assess the patient during the procedure, watching for the patient's vital signs to change or any other problems that might arise during the intubation. Once we've clearly identified somebody to fulfill all of these roles, and those roles are clearly defined and the person performing the tasks are ready to begin the procedure, um, at that point, then we can proceed with going through the rest of the checklist. Patient assessment. The second part of the checklist is the patient assessment. First, are there any difficult airway concerns? Does this patient have any anatomical problems that might make us worried that we may have a difficult time intubating the patient? Does the patient have a small jaw? Does the patient have mid-face hypoplasia? Does the patient have poor mouth opening? Does the patient have poor range of motion? Is the patient scoliotic? Is there kyphosis or any other structural 
or skeletal abnormalities that might make us alert to this being a difficult airway. Additionally, things like contractures or burns, those will also be important to know. Does the patient have any concerns for airway edema? Have they had an inhalation injury? Do they have epiglottitis? Or do they have a tumor, a large mass, a vascular malformation of the tongue or oropharynx? All of these things will be important to recognize prior to attempting to intubate this patient. Additionally, if you have the records available and this patient has previously been intubated, you can check to see whether this patient was in easy intubation in the past or if there were some difficulties. You may also be able to assess what size blade they have used in the past successfully or what maneuvers may have worked to be able to visualize the larynx for this patient. If there are any concerns that this patient may have a difficult airway, you'll want to make sure that you have a very experienced laryngoscopist present um, and you may need to think about other ways to perform intubation for this patient. Is this a patient that might need a fiber optic intubation, an awake intubation, or other devices such as a glide scope or other commercially available products that are useful for a patient with a difficult airway? You should know these ahead of time so that you can be prepared uh, for the intubation. The next thing you'll want to evaluate is do you have any concerns for a full stomach? You'll want to make sure that you know what time the patient last had something to eat or drink. In an emergent intubation, you don't have the luxury of waiting four or six hours um, after the time of the last oral intake. This patient emergently needs intubation and you'll want to take any measures you can to try to prevent the regurgitation of, of food. You can try to limit the amount of pressures that you do in the bag and although it's uh, debatable, you can perform some cricoid pressure. Also, if the patient has a gastrostomy tube, you'll be able to vent this tube. And that way, if you deliver any air through bag mask ventilation into the stomach, you'll be able to release that air by venting the gastrostomy tube. The next step is getting, when you're ready to begin, is to getting the patient um, in proper positioning. So you want to make sure that you can see the chest so you can know whether or not you have adequate chest movement when you're doing bag mask ventilation. So you want to make sure that you remove the clothes of a patient. If the patient has a gown, open it. If the patient has clothes on and you emergently need to intubate this patient, cut off the clothes. You want to make sure that you can see the chest and that you have access to sites for peripheral pulses as well as for central pulses. In addition to exposing the chest and pulses of a patient, you want to make sure that you properly align the axes of the airway in order to properly um, intubate this patient. You want to make sure that you put the patient into sniffing position. And depending on the age of the patient, that may require a head roll, a uh, roll behind the back. Um, it sort of depends on the age and body habitus of your patient, what you might need but you'll want to make sure those axes are aligned before you begin to perform your laryngoscopy. Additionally, it's very important to have someone performing cricoid pressure that's familiar with performing the burp positioning, which means 
once you have your fingers on the cricoid cartilage that you move the cricoid cartilage backwards, upwards, in right position, which will allow you to move the airway into better view of the person that's performing the laryngoscopy. Please note that burp refers to the patient's right. The next step is to assess the patient's physiological status. What is their cardiovascular status like? Are they hypovolemic? Do you have concerns about preload and when you give them positive pressure ventilation? Are they be going to become quite hypotensive? Should you give them volume or start vasoactive agents prior to the intubation? Additionally, do you have any afterload concerns? How is their right ventricle? How is the function of the right ventricle? Are you going to harm them if you give them positive pressure ventilation? Those are the things that you'll want to discuss prior to beginning your laryngoscopy and when choosing your medications. Additionally, are there any neurological concerns? Does this patient have any indication that they may have an elevated ICP? You may want to choose a different medication based on what your concerns from a cardiovascular and a neurologic standpoint. Additionally, are there any other organ failures? Does the patient have hepatic failure or renal dysfunction? All of those are going to influence your choice of medication. Next step, you want to evaluate the patient's access. Do you have an IV in order to give medications? Is this IV functioning? When was the last time it was checked? You want to make sure you have a safe and stable way to provide medications during your procedure. Equipment and monitoring. The next step is to make sure you have an appropriate equipment and monitoring for your uh, procedure. You want to make sure that the patient has ECG leads in place. You want to make sure that the patient has their saturation probe in place. And you want to make sure that you have some way to monitor your end CO2 after the intubation attempt. Whether that's a cap device that changes colors in the presence of CO2 or an end CO2 monitor. You should have something available in order to confirm your endotracheal tube placement. You should make sure you have equipment ready. So the common equipment that you need to have at the bedside is going to be a suction catheter, a bag, an appropriate size mask for the patient, a, laryn a laryngoscope, an appropriate size endotracheal tube with a size larger and a size smaller, a stylet, and an oral airway. All of these will help to both bag mask ventilate a patient as well as to perform the laryngoscopy. You should also make sure that you have your bag mask ventilation system connected to an oxygen source so that you can pre-oxygenate your patient before beginning the procedure. Medications. The last step is medications. In this step, the physician leader will state in which order the medications will be administered and they will describe again any of the pertinent considerations including cardiovascular, neurological, or organ failure considerations that will need to be addressed by the medications. Typically the pre-medication is given first, followed by a hypnotic and a neuromuscular blocking agent. And once you've addressed 
all of these items on your pre-intubation checklist, then you can proceed with performing the procedure. So this concludes our video on the pre-intubation checklist. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.